0: All right, good morning again, glad to be here with you guys, I've been looking forward to this for months and this is some kind of travesty, some kind of uh, bad idea I think by my part because we have all this food that's out here smelling good and I can see it and you guys can see it, so that's an issue, that's an issue people, all right? Oh, man. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm super excited about it. I love seeing these tables out here. I love seeing all you all. And honestly, this is just a sidebar to just your typical, you know, church-going experience. When you guys sit up front and you hear everybody sing, it sounds really good. All right? I'm just saying. So come sit up front sometimes and hear how it sounds. Anyway, that's just my little uh, pitch for, you know, getting closer up to the action up front. It sounds really good when you guys can hear all the singing. But then if everybody sits up front, never mind, That's a that's a... One long line. Okay. Anyway, all right. So uh, uh, recap last week. Uh, I was really blessed last week to just be able to spend some time at the beginning of Luke 8 and just spend some time talking about the sower. And the things we walked away from last week were that good soil does exist. Amen? Good soil exists. And what we took away is that we need to kind of expect the soil that we are encountering to just be good soil because we don't know until we try. Expect good soil when you go into good or into any kind of conversation about the gospel, right? The good soil that God will do something here. And really, the second part was that no matter what happens, God's get the credit, right? God gets the credit, right? God gets the credit. It, it matters very little about how good of a speaker you are or how funny or how, uh, you know, charming you might be <laughs> about the go- when peddling the gospel, right? We wouldn't usually use those terms, but it doesn't really matter about how charismatic you are. But it matters how good God is, right? And then God does all the work, and he, God gets the credit. But we have to be his hands and his feet. So I want to kind of really, really stay on, on theme today. I want to make sure that we're bringing all this together. Why are we even doing something like this, Jimmy? Why does this seem important? Well, I think it's very obvious because these are the things that our church is about, and these are the things that the church is doing. Right. This is what God has blessed certain people to kind of have a interest or a passion about to carry out and to do. We have the new member celebration. We have the ministry fair. All this comes together to say God is good and God is blessing this church. God is blessing us with people to do good works and for those works to continue to go on. A lot of prayer has been gone on or has been going on for this Sunday. Not necessarily for the planning or the preparation. That stuff happens, right? We have plenty of competent people to get things done. But what the prayer has been about is about all these ministries that are represented here today. That somebody in this room is convicted to say, I need to do something with my time. I need to do something for the gospel. And there's something at my church right now that I can actively do starting right now. That's awesome. Several of these tables have sign-up things for you to get involved with today. And that's exciting. And I want to be mindful that we are just praying about those things, not necessarily for the the ins and outs of what's going on today, but for all the ministries represented here. So, so thankful for those things. And I encourage you to find something today. If you've been at church here for a, a week or 50 years, find something today that kind of encourages you to want to do something about it. Find something. Pray about it. And if there's not something here, you and I need to talk. Okay? If there's something, if you walk around this auditorium today and you say, None of this applies to me, Jimmy, you and I need to talk. Because it sounds like we have a ministry that you need to start. Okay? But I want to be clear, and I want to always have this at the forefront of our minds this is our mission statement as a church. This is what we are to be about. Our aim, the very, very top, is to glorify God. And you can read there, I'm not going to read it to you, the what we do and the how we do it. Everything that we do filters through this. right? And if you look around here, there's some of these things that are really, really fun to do. But we don't do things just for the sake of doing things. I say this time and time again. We are not the YMCA. We are not a rec center. In fact, we are a bad representation of those things because they have a lot more fun activities to do than we do sometimes. Right? But we do have a lot of fun together. We do have a lot of good stuff that goes on at this church. But everything that we do filters through this prism. Our aim is to glorify God. If it does not glorify God, we should probably not do it. right? If it doesn't glorify God and we just want to do it for the sake of doing it, that's a waste of time and energy. Because everything that we do has to go through this model. We are trying and we are aiming to glorify God. Are we perfect at this? Absolutely not. But this is what we are striving to be about. Everything funnels through this. So maintaining that focus, I want to have this on our mind. I want to have all this on our mind that we see here today as we get into Luke chapter 8 still. I'm going to reread this. I know Damien just read this, but I love to read Scripture again and again and again. Okay? No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken away from them. And so, again, I want to have this in context of what we talked about last week. Last week, we had this parable of the sower who was sowing the seeds that represented the kingdom of God, right? And so, in the same kind of line of thinking, this this next parable has a very similar context, right? This light represents the kingdom of God being shown for everybody to see. The light cannot hide in the darkness, right? It consumes the darkness, and that is what the kingdom of God ought to be like, but... The parable is so funny because he's saying, you know, no one lights a lamp and hides under a bowl. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bed. One is very ineffective. One is very dangerous. I don't want you to ever put a candle underneath my bed, okay? What's so interesting about this is that it takes this very, very useful thing, a lamp, and makes it completely useless when you put it under a clay jar or put it under a bed. The light that you are trying to shine is not being shown. It is utterly useless. So that is kind of what the kingdom is like. We sometimes want to put obstacles in the way to make the kingdom less effective by our own, you know, wants and needs rather than what the kingdom is about. Very simple, very straightforward. But what's not straightforward is what Jesus continues to do the rest of the parable. Right? The clay bowl it, it kills its effect- effectiveness. The, the bed kills its effectiveness. But Jesus shifts to receiving this light, right? He talks about the light itself being this good thing that shows into the darkness, but then it shifts into something different. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Okay, so we're talking about the kingdom. The kingdom exists, but the receivers are the trouble, right? <laughs> Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken away from So Like I said, Jesus' parable is very straightforward. Light, kingdom, good, awesome. But then I kept reading this, and I was really confused. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. It confused me. I read it over and over and over again because we read the, the words of Jesus, and it's usually the opposite of what he normally says, right? Blessed are the poor, right? for they will be rich in heaven. Blessed are the hungry, right? He has this kind of idea, and we talked about it in Luke chapter 6, about those who are suffering now will get something in return, right? But then we get to Luke 8.18, and it's like, whoever has will be given more? Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them? It sounds like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But then I didn't really think... <laughs> right? Exactly what Jesus is telling us to do right here. I didn't think through the context of what Jesus is saying. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Okay, that changes things. Consider carefully how you listen. I don't have to tell you the difference between hearing and listening, right? We do this every day. Everybody in this room is guilty of this. Sometimes we hear, but we don 't actually listen, so we hear these words, and we don 't actually listen but it 's important to remember that Jesus actually quotes Isaiah chapter six before all of this, and this is what Isaiah chapter six has to say. All this is going to make be clear, I promise. This is Isaiah six, nine and ten. This is after Isaiah hears this word from god he says i 'm a man of unclean lips, living in a generation of people with unclean lips, and then, and then God purifies Isaiah. And then he says this Go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be turned and turn and be healed. Do you hear what this is saying to the people of God? This is directed towards the people of God. Isaiah, the prophet of God, is supposed to go to the people of God and say this. It would be like me coming up here on Sunday and say, Hey guys, do not listen to Jesus. Do not listen to the Bible. Do not do those things. Now why on earth would God tell his prophet to go tell his people these things? Well, the people of God have a very hard time listening to God at times. If you read through the Old Testament, you see these peaks and valleys, a lot more valleys than there are peaks, right? And then what happens to God's people is they're on a peak, and God blesses them, and it's fantastic, but then the people of God are like, you know what, we got it, and they go down here, and they really don't got it, and then God eventually blesses them. He forgives them, and they finally go back up to a peak, and they're like, God, you're awesome, and then the same thing happens over and over and over again. So what God is telling Isaiah in this place is saying, you know what? there's going to be a lesson that they have to learn that's going to be very difficult for them to learn. Because after this, the people of Israel are going to go into Babylonian captivity for, for quite some time. They're going to be exiled. They're not going to have a, really a, a place to be. They're going to be exiled to, to, to Babylon. And what he's saying here is that <laughs> I need you to go and tell these people this so that they don't listen, so that they can really listen. So they can really hear what I'm saying, that I am their God and they are my people and they need to listen and obey my word. So this is the, the, the text that, you know, the, the, the words that Isaiah has to go tell the people of God. And it's very similar to what Jesus is saying here. So we get back to uh, Luke chapter 8. Sorry, I, didn't, I don't have it back up there. I'll just go backwards. When he says this, whoever has will be given more. What he's talking about is the people that are getting it are going to keep getting it. The people that are buying into the words of Jesus are going to continue to buy in and know more and more, and Jesus is going to be this light, and their entire world is going to expand because of the light. Does that make sense? But the people who do not get it, even what they think they get, they're going to go further and further in the opposite direction. That light is going to be under a clay jar. That light is inexplicably inexplicably going to be underneath a bed, right? It's not going to make any sense. So Jesus is saying here a very similar thing that Isaiah was told to say in Isaiah chapter 6, that sometimes you just have to learn through lived experience. But these words that Jesus is saying are going to cut the hearts of many. They're going to, uh, it's, it's a harsh message, really. It's a really harsh message that Isaiah brings. It's a harsh, harsh message that Jesus brings as well. But nevertheless, that is the light. That is the light that's going to continue to expand and continue to be effective, whether we like it or not. Right? We talk about in Philippians, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, right? That's going to happen, whether you like it or not, when Jesus comes back. This is the reality. This is the light that is going to be ever-expanding. Are you on board Because Jesus is going to keep revealing things to you over and over and over again. So in a similar vein, he knows that people will not listen to him. In fact, he knows that we will be persecuted because of him. That's just the reality of the situation. Some will hear, but will not listen. And some will definitely listen. So Jesus illustrates this this point a little bit further here in Luke 8, 19-21. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. I'm I'm preaching this anxiety into this uh, sentence for for him. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So we have this parable of this light saying that some people are going to listen, some people won't. And then he has this almost living parable where his mom and his brothers are saying, hey, Jesus, we need you for a minute. I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. But the fact is that this is a very disrespectful thing to do to your family now and especially then, right? You don't want to be doing this now. You definitely don't want to be doing this here, especially in front of everybody. Embarrassing for mom and brothers? Kind of embarrassing for Jesus. But what Jesus is trying to to illuminate here is that my mother and my brothers, and all the people that are following me, those people are the people who put God's word into practice. Consider carefully how you listen. That's how he started all this off, right? Consider carefully how you listen. How do you listen? Like this, hearing and doing. Careful consideration equals hearing and doing. If you're carefully considering and you're hearing and not doing, you are not carefully considering. You are just letting it happen to you, right? Like so many of the people that interacted with Jesus, life just happened to them, and they didn't get it. But Jesus is saying, when you carefully consider, I'm going to continue to give you more and more of that light more and more of the kingdom. I'm going to continue to illuminate every aspect of your lives to where there is darkness. There's going to be light because you carefully consider. You put these words and these thoughts into action. What's so interesting is that God's people often don't seem too much like God's people. So much of the world says the church is full of what? Hypocrites. Guess what? The world is full of hypocrites. Hypocrites. Everybody is, but we get flack more so because we ought to be the one to get it. But if you read our entire history, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. All of us fall into that category. This is our history. We fail all the time, but we have to own that. But when we own that and we carefully consider and try our best to do these words and put them into action, that's how we carefully consider and bring the kingdom further and further into reality today. This is an embarrassing situation, right? (laughs) What's so interesting is that, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm talking about the situation with uh, mom and brothers, right? It's embarrassing, but what Jesus is exemplifying here is that God's people need to be better. And I think that call is still happening to us today for us to carefully consider and put these words into practice is what we're being called to do. Now, so what? So what? Fantastic. We studied this word. We got some interesting parables, some dynamics from Isaiah chapter 6. You can flex your knowledge and leave here and that'd be fantastic. Not really. Because you wouldn't be carefully considering, actually. But so what? We have all these tables around here. We have all these ministries. We have all these ministry leaders and people who put their heart, energy, and effort into making these things come about. As I was thinking about this sermon, as I was thinking about how all this kind of comes to be, I thought about one of the elders that I first interacted with when I first got hired in youth ministry back in Mississippi. And his name was Doug Jr. He, he's still, he's, his name is Doug Jr. And very, very thoughtful. Almost too thoughtful sometimes. I might tell him to watch this, so I've got to be careful. Uh, but Doug, he is so straightforward. And when he would always talk about, now Jimmy, when you have somebody who's recently been baptized or have somebody who recently joined the church, they have to do three things in order for them to be effective. And I'm going to butcher this. But one, that everybody needs a friend at the church. The second thing is everyone needs a Bible study. And the third thing is everybody needs a job to do. And for whatever reason, that's always stuck with me. Because it's so true. It, the, the, the things that stick with you are obviously you know very significant. But let's look at these right now. In the context of Luke chapter 8, in the context of what we're doing here on Sunday... This makes perfect sense. Everybody needs a friend, obviously. You come to this church, you see all these people, and you see different families and different histories and different stories represented here in this room, and it's awesome. But you need someone to say, hey, i got to tell you something too. Someone that's not going to just be someone that says, hey, on Sunday morning, but someone to keep you accountable to what you're trying to do, right? To carefully consider together. Right, This idea of Luke chapter 8, to carefully consider, to do the things that Jesus calls us to do. Everybody needs a friend, especially in the church. You can have all the friends in the world. That's fantastic for you. But if you don't have a spiritual friend that you go to church with, you're missing out on an opportunity to grow. Now, I'm going to be a little honest with you guys this morning. I have heard people, not, not, not necessarily at this church, but throughout my time in ministry, I've heard people say, well, nobody ever talks to me at church. Nobody wants to be my friend at church. My question for that person, and if you're sitting in this room right now, I want you to be convicted by this. Have you tried talking to somebody? I don't know. It might be worth a try because it's interesting about friendships is that there's two ways, right? You can't just have all the friends and not pour into that friendship from your side of things. You have to do something, too. You need to be a friend. You need to put yourself out there and say, you know what, I'm looking for spiritual friendship. Put myself out there. And a great way to have spiritual friendships is to serve alongside each other. Just a thought. The second thing is everybody needs a Bible study. Of course, this is very, very significant. We want to be growing in not just our friendship. It's great to have friends, but we want to be growing in spirit together. And again... I want to convict you a little bit this morning. Our parking lot is a lot more full after this part of service than it is before this part of service, if you get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I promise that's never my intention. But guys, we need to go to Bible class together. Right now we have four adult Bible classes, and we could have a whole lot more full seats in those classrooms. You say, well, Jimmy, those those topics don't interest me. I don't care. (laughs) well that's me being silly but what I'm saying is like it's so important to be studying together it's so important to be learning together to be caught off guard by scripture together is one of the best experiences I love being in those moments to say wow I've never read it that way and very few times does that really happen in isolation it often happens in a Bible study and now I'm being silly I, I do want you to come to Bible class here I do. I think it's super important. But if you have other Bible studies, that's fantastic too. But I think this is a very key part to being part of this church and part of this fellowship is having a friend and studying the Bible together. The third thing is this. Everyone needs a job to do, and this is where it all comes full circle. We have all these ministries lined up. There is a job for you to do here. I promise there is. There is something for you to do at this church. At the very least, you can. I'm not going to single anybody out or any, any ministry out, but there are so many low-threshold jobs that you can do right now that's effectively saying, you know what, I align with this church, I align with this ministry, and I want to make my life about this more and more and more. Take a small step today. Please take a small step today. Everyone has a job to do. One of the greatest things, I like combining the new member in the ministry fair is to say, hey, we're all in this together. One of the great things is that you all brought fantastic food to share. And I guarantee there are people in this room right now that were stressing out about the food because we've been so blessed by Miss Dot giving us food every single time we get together. We don't have to think about food. But one of the things that this food represents is everybody coming together and doing something together. You might not like the food today. That's okay. It's more about what we're doing rather than necessarily what it is, right? I think the what is so much more important than necessarily the food that we're eating, right? All of it coming together, the people, the ministries, all these thoughts and ideas coming together to say, hey, we are a family. Everybody needs a job to do. And I've been kind of critical on one and two. I'll be critical on number three, too. If you're just coming here and consuming, you're just a consumer. You're not bought in. And I'm not saying to stop coming. Please keep coming. Because if this is your only contact with Jesus or the church, I want you to keep coming with the prayer and hopes that that you go deeper and deeper and deeper. But if you're just coming here and consuming Sunday morning, you're missing it. You're totally missing it. And if you're walking around here saying, Jimmy, there's nothing for me to do, guess what your job is now? Come talk to me, come talk to an elder, Leon or Michelle or whoever, and say, I want to start this ministry. And we're going to say, great, let me assist you to do that. What are you passionate about? What do you not see here that we need to be doing? I don't know, but you do. And if you don't tell me, that's your fault. I'm not trying to be like rude or, 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 or mean, but if you just complain about things not being done, how can you come about and do it? How can we assist you? There might be people in this room that feel the exact same way you do, but you don't even have a clue that they feel that way until you put it out there. So I want to encourage you to be bold in all three of these things, finding a friend, finding a Bible study, finding something to do, because all of this helps us carefully consider how we can be more about the kingdom in this world. So this is my own this is my, my parting word. Where did I offend you this morning? Of those three points, where did you say, Jimmy, that's just too far? Jimmy, you made me feel uncomfortable. I don't like you right now. I like that. I want you to not I want you to not like me because of one of these three things. Seriously. I want you to not like me because of one of these three things because that might be the Holy Spirit speaking to to you to say, I need to do something. So the question is, where do you need to grow? Where are you most uncomfortable right now as you sit here smelling that food, looking at all these tables? Maybe you're saying, I'm going to get out of this room before Jimmy can see me. I might not see you. But guess what? You're going to have to walk past all these tables as you leave. And again, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm never ever guilting anybody into doing anything But I'm praying that the Spirit convicts you to want, to feel the obligation of the Spirit to do something about it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the energy that's been put into making this day happen. And of course, we've been praying for this day for weeks and weeks and weeks. And not necessarily just for the preparation. Of course, that's a part of it. But I pray for each of these ministries. I pray for each of these ministry leaders that are so passionate about these things Help us to recognize the necessity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to recognize that we do need spiritual friendship in this church. Help us to recognize we do need to study the Bible together at this church. And help us to recognize that we need to do something together at this church and in our community. God, help us to be of light mind. Help us to be in one spirit. Help us to be different but united under the banner of Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs at all, we always offer an invitation to come forward. I know it's a little bit different with all the tables, but please don't let that stop you from being convicted this morning. If you have any needs at all, we'll have elders in the back standing. I'll be up here standing. Another elder will be down here standing. But please talk to somebody today while we stand and sing.